Hello everyone, this is the Audience Explorer, a podcast for you as a founder or creator who wants to develop an audience for your product or service. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Hey folks, uh, this is a nice sunny Sunday morning and I'm so happy to have Boris Tane here as a guest today. Uh, good morning, Boris. So good nice morning. to have you. Hey, Matthias. Yeah, very nice to have you. It's sunny on your side, it's cloudy on mine. So let's see how this thing goes. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy that you are here because you're tweeting a lot about building SaaS in public and you're also really building in public, uh, bootstrapping Bookmark.io and uh, I'm so curious to hear more about it today. Yep, yep. So what is it that that um, you're, you're doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your backstory. So yeah, my name is Boris. I live in London. I've been living in the UK for the past eight years or so. Been in London on and off, but for the past three years I've been in London. Uh -huh. um, well, I actually studied physics and aerospace engineering, but I ended up being a software engineer somehow. Um, I've always been writing code. Um, I worked at uh, startups originally, you know. Okay. Um, really early stage that's where i find myself uh, most comfortable um and yeah with that experience being so close with other people you know doing things you know always you know doing building stuff because that's, uh -huh. that's what a startup is it's building stuff that nobody has built before in order exactly. to, to solve a problem um i started building small prototypes on the side small websites putting them on on product hunt having a few clicks a few likes um and then when the pandemic hit i said okay i might be a little more serious about this um i started first of all with a music sharing app um it was quite cool a few people used it i think some people are still using it but i couldn't really find one the people that will connect to it really And two, um, it was a hard thing to monetize, you know, it uh -huh. was something mm -hmm. for fun, for parties. At the beginning of lockdown, the first lockdown, a lot of people used it because everybody was stuck at home and it was fun to use a small app for free to share yeah. music with your friends. But after a little while, these things, they were not popping anymore, quotation marks. Um, and then I was at the same time uh, learning a new software. I mean, new, it's not new, but it was new to me, uh, software architecture at work. And I said, okay, instead of just doing the tutorials and, and reading about it, I might as well build something uh, in order to learn it better. Um, ah, that's always good. If you really yeah. do something instead of just watching some videos. Yeah. What was it? Yes, yeah, so the architecture is um, event source architecture. It's something I hadn't done before, and uh -huh. it was quite interesting to me at the time. Um, and I then looked at quotation marks, easy things to solve. You know, I was like, okay, what is the simpler, the very simplest problem that I might have that I can yeah. solve with software, such that I can focus on learning rather than the problem. You know. And mm -hmm. I thought, okay, my bookmarks are a mess. I save bookmarks on Chrome, Firefox, Edge, in my emails, in Google Docs, on Slack. I send them to friends. You know, it's a complete, 
it's a complete uh it's, it's a complete mess yeah so, same thing here i know that <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so i thought okay this looks like a simple problem and i can build something to solve my bookmarks and learn the architecture at the same time okay. um so i started like that um and when my friends will call me and ask me hey what you doing i'm like okay i'm working on this thing oh what is this thing okay it's something to manage my bookmarks oh when you do it send me the link because i will need it as well ah. three four five friends tell me that and i'm like okay maybe there are actually a lot of people that have this problem i never thought that maybe so many people have the same problem so i put a, a landing page i bought a domain put the landing page in 30 minutes or an hour, put it on, on uh, Indie Hackers and started getting clicks and people signing up. And I was like, okay, this is probably going to be something that I can do for real rather than just, you know, a small toy. Um, Amazing. And, when when was that? When, when did you put out the landing page? I don't remember exactly, but it was summer last year, summer 2020. Okay. Uh, end of summer, around the end of the summer already. Uh -huh. um, it was actually at that time that I discovered the indie hackers community. Because before that, I was just building stuff on my own, not talking to anyone. I had an idea for an app before, um, a an audio journaling app. I thought, okay, everybody has AirPods on, everybody's recording stuff. This was even before Clubhouse. And I was like, okay, people like to journal as well. So if you make an audio journaling app, people are going to click. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't, I hadn't read the mom test before. I was, I didn't know any other indie hackers. The only experience I had was you build, you get VC money, and then you start selling, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The usual startup, uh, Silicon Valley startup myth, right? Exactly. So I built that app actually before end of 2019, early 2020 for months. I spent months, literally seven, eight months of my life building it. And I never released it because by the time I was ready to release, I was so tired. And at that time, doubt came in. Like, is this actually something that people want? You know? Oh, okay. But that's that's the question I should ask on the first day, not after seven months of building. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one who makes that mistake. I made it five, four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> so it's then when I discovered the indie hackers community that I was like, okay, so actually, those are the questions you ask first. This is how you speak to potential customers. Right. Don't focus on your friends. Try to talk to speak with people who are out of your immediate circle. Try to frame your questions or your conversations in such in such a way that they're not gonna they're not gonna say yes just to please you. Um, yeah. Those are the things I learned over the summer, end of summer, early autumn last year, uh -huh. and that's how I've been building Bookmark basically. Um, I launched, uh, the, what's the name? It's not launch, launch. It's still in beta. It's been in beta for months now. I launched the beta, I think in early January. Um, it's been four months. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not skyrocketing, getting 1000 MR or yeah. the first week or anything like that. It's going pretty slowly. Um, but I'm happy with it. Um, I, 
I speak with a lot of people and I understand a lot of things better and I'm improving it. So it's going to get there. That, that's the most important uh, thing, getting some initial people on it and learning from them. That's so valuable. Yep. Um, how did you learn about uh, how to how to lead these conversations? You said you want to ask in a way that uh, people don't simply say yes because they want to be friendly. Um, how how what what is the current way uh, when when you imagine you're sitting uh, on an audio line with someone? Uh, how how do you ask them? What do you ask them? So I learned this. I mean, I'm, I'm no expert, let's put it that way, but I, I started learning it from the mom test, the book. Uh -huh. I, I got it as an audio book last summer and I've been listening to it. Um, it's anyone who is building anything, I think is one of the first books that we should read. Um, before that, I was reading, I don't know, Zero to One from Peter Thiel, things like that, yeah. which are awesome books, but they are for, you know, build something that is going to change the world, raise $100 million. And, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. That's um, a different thing, yeah. Exactly. Um, so how to go about it? Just make sure that you you don't put bias into, into the conversation. Uh -huh. And you ask about, you talk about their problems and their lives rather than what your potential solution might be. So, for instance... Let's say yesterday I was talking with a not a, I mean a friend. I was speaking with a friend who doesn't know that I'm building bookmarks, so yeah. he has no idea. Uh, we haven't been in touch for for a few months, and yeah, I, he how are you doing? Blah 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 blah. And then um, how is it that you? So he first of all said, "Oh, I should send you this link." Like he he was going to send me a link about something, and I was like, "Okay, how do you actually?" get your links in order, where is it stored? And he told me, oh, actually, so I have this Word document in which I copy paste all my research. Oh, okay. Like, okay, um, what's the problem with that Word document? Like, are you happy with it? Yeah, it's all right, it has all my links, but you know, I have already four or five Word documents because every time I start a new project, I create a new one and I don't know what to do with the old one. There are still links there that are interesting, but some of them are not anymore, and I'm not too sure what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you thought of using something better for it? Oh, yeah, of course. I used uh, my browser bookmark manager, uh, but again, it gets crowded after a little while, and it's unusable. I think I have 400, 300 bookmarks in there already. So that is actually a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem, but not... Not so much. Um, so when the person gives you that sort of lukewarm answer, you know that he's not the person is not going to pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. um, whatever your solution is, if it's not a problem that is so pressing that they have actually looked for a potential solution, because there are there are tons and hundreds of bookmark managers out there. Um, if their solution was their Chrome browser bookmark manager and any doc, a Google Doc, it means that it's not such a problem that they will go out and look for, for a way to, 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 to solve it for real. So I continued the conversation a little bit and I understood that, okay, yeah, he's going to be interested, but not to the point where they are going to be paying for it. So yeah, I just ended, not ended, I mean, we were having a 
different conversation. We were not, it wasn't a user interview. We were just talking yeah, and yeah. I introduced the thing. And I think that's the best way because when you schedule um, user interviews, sometimes you have to because, well, you don't know the person that well and you have to say, hey, do you want to talk about this? But the ideal scenario is to have a normal conversation and try to understand the problems of the person in that fashion rather than, you know, setting up a meeting, coming up with suits, taking papers to take notes and all of that. It creates an atmosphere where the person is already trying to please you. Oh, um, okay. It's a more formal atmosphere then. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So from the mum test, uh, I, I didn't read the book yet. I always uh, uh, thought I, I have to, but, but I didn't read it yet. The title sounds like you go to your mom and ask whether it's a good idea or what. Yeah, basically that's the premise of the of the book. It's to to ask questions and lead user conversations in such a fashion that even your mom is not going to be lying to you. Okay, yeah, I really should you uh, should read it. I uh, because I've got the same problem with my startup. Um, I I rarely talk to people, uh, which is a mistake. I know. <laughs> um, And um, when when I actually talk to them, I, I run into these problems to, to frame questions in a, in a certain way so that they will really honestly tell me what's going on. Some people do it uh, from, from their point of view right away, right? Yeah. For example, recently someone canceled and I sent them an email uh, saying, oops, what happened? Uh, uh, why did you cancel so quickly? Uh, and suddenly I got a brutally honest feedback and that was amazing uh, because first it shocked me and it, it set me up and then uh, uh, I, <laughs> I thought, no, wait a minute, maybe there's something in it for you. And, yeah. and um, suddenly I got an amazing insight uh, from that feedback. Um, that, this person was saying, hey, I come back in a year when you, when you have made more progress. And I yeah. thought, oh, why, why, do, why do they think that I'll take a year for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was, yeah, it's something, sorry, it's something I noticed as well. Um, I think it's mostly other indie hackers or other people who build stuff that are more honest with their with their feedback and how they answer to your questions. And sometimes I've been in user conversations with people who have told me, actually, you're asking me the wrong question. You should be asking me this and that because they have done that so many, many times and they know better quotation marks. So, yeah. So uh, what was that? Do, do really people tell you what to ask them? So that is when I'm talking to other startup founders, basically, or other bootstrap founders yeah. who have been doing user conversations for, I don't know, four, five, ten years. And they have way more experience than, than me into doing those things. And when I ask a question, I remember early on, I asked one of the, one of the guys, um, how many bookmarks do you, do you think you have? And he told me, does it matter? You're asking me the wrong question. If I tell you 1,000, is it going to help you understand what my problem is better? Mm -hmm. You should mm -hmm. be asking me. It's not about the number. It's about how I use them. It's about how I access them. It's about how I manage them. So those are the little things. When someone already has much more experience answering and asking those questions, they will, they will sometimes guide you into 
into asking the correct questions, but that is quite rare. Most people, you ask how many bookmarks do you have, and they will say, oh, maybe 50, maybe 100. And then you say, you, you take 100, when maybe they actually have 20, but because they know that you're building a bookmark manager, they say, oh, maybe if I say 100, it's going to be a hack, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, now, what would you say uh, with your bookmark manager? What, what's your um, typical audience that you have? Can you describe those people? Do they have some common characteristics or what, what did you find out until today? So it is quite interesting um, because it's quite a wide range of people who use bookmarks. Mm -hmm. um, and it has been actually a challenge for me to actually understand who are the people who need this the most. Because almost everyone has a problem with their bookmarks, but very few are willing to pay to solve that problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I need to understand who are those people who are willing to pay to solve that problem. Um, in my user base, it's very varied. Uh, in the paying customers, it's a bit, it's still varied. I have marketing specialists, I have other bootstrappers, I have developers, I have um, designers. Uh, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's quite varied. <clears throat> and oh, also analysts. So I noticed something, there are a few analysts in there and I was like, okay, this is probably something that is that is going to be easier to to target like the sort of analysts they stay in companies they do research analysis in those um what's the name uh not investment firms the the big four type of uh, uh consultancy firms that's that's the that's the word I'm looking ah, for. okay okay so they are research analysts in those consultancy firms and and they so they have to write reports about i don't know the state of video calling in the web in 2020 so they save links for all the the video recording and calling apps in the world and then they write a report about it that's basically what they do i mean uh, that's what so, I so people like gartner or so like like these big companies right yes so however i found it pretty difficult to access them on a on a person-by-person -person basis, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So since they do it for work, they're not going to pay with their own credit card. Mm -hmm. The few that do pay for their, with their own credit card is because it's also helping them with their personal life. They're maybe doing research on the side as well. And, well, they also use it at work because it's in their browser anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so, are, are there many people who use it as at the same time for private bookmarks and for company bookmarks? Uh, so from the conversations I've had with existing customers, I will say 20 to 30% of them either use it like that or during the conversations, they were like, oh, I never thought of using it for work. I should probably start using it for work as well. Oh. Yeah. Uh, because they paid for it with their own credit card. It's on their private laptop, on their yeah, br yeah. private browser. They never thought that they could use it at work, although it will use it will help them a lot at work as well. Um, so, given that, um, again, a few indie hackers as well are using it. Um, mostly, I think, since 
on Twitter, I interact a lot with other indie hackers. Most of them are using it for the Twitter bookmarking feature rather than the research type of feature, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're mm -hmm. on Twitter, they, they discover the tool on Twitter. There is always that bias that this is a Twitter tool and they use it for bookmarking stuff on Twitter more than using their own browser, in their own browser or using the email and all the other integrations that I'm, I'm planning. So they're saying, oh, I'm using it on Twitter. It's cool for me like that. Uh, because Twitter bookmarks, I, I mess anyways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's a good replacement for Twitter bookmarks. But on the other hand, the tool, the, 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 the service is, the, the software is providing so much more that they are kind of missing on. But again, there are ways around it. I'm, I'm trying to massage the, the product to actually help them transition from that Twitter tool to mm -hmm. actually using mm -hmm. the full potential. Um, but again, oh, one other thing that came up a lot um, is um, a need for sharing bookmarks. Right. Oh, interesting. So they want to tell your their friends or their colleagues about, about things they have found and discovered. Exactly. Um, and that is something that I, you know, it's one of the things where the user conversations were quite hard for me to get correct. Because when people say, oh, they want to share their bookmarks, they don't necessarily tell you how or where or mm -hmm. in which format do they want to sell to send an Excel file? Do they want to send a link? You know, um, and my original implementation was to make public collections where you make everything public and anyone with the link can, can access. Yeah, I saw that. Quite that was, nice. That was quite good, but it wasn't solving the actual problem. So a few people are making their collections book more, uh, their collections public, but not a lot because they want to share it with a subset of people, not the entire internet. Oh, okay. Right? I see. I see. So I thought again, maybe password protected collections where you, you create a collection, you put the password, you share the link and the person and, and the password to the person and they can, Uh, login to to view the bookmarks again i i sat on that idea for a little while I'll probably build it because i have few people interested in it but it wasn't that much because it's cumbersome sending a password and then the person has to put the password in it's you know yeah they keep it in their password manager and uh, maybe they lose it and yeah it exactly. creates problems yeah so further conversations raise the fact that actually They don't want to send it to their friends. They want to send it to other people they work with. So uh -huh. they want to send it to, let's say, you and me right now, we are having this conversation. Let's say we're in a community of four, five, ten other indie hackers, and we want to share resources about how to, to go about our business. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we want it within the small group we don't want it to the whole internet and we don't want everyone to be putting you know passwords to see and we don't want one person to be responsible for putting the bookmarks we want everybody in this small group of people being able to book the bookmarks and everyone has access to to them at the same time so that's when i was like okay 
This means that there is a need for a team feature where you can create a team and bookmarks within that team are shared and you can have user access and, and all of that. Oh, amazing. I love it. Uh, to, if I love your way to differentiate between uh, what people want to do and and why they want to do it and what's their goal and and so on. I love it that that you try to find out really what people are trying to achieve. Yeah, um, that's that takes a lot of time. Um, just having mm -hmm. those conversations and you. I mean, I get a lot of random ideas. Yeah. And yeah. And I have to put everything down and then sort them and say, okay, this is, okay, it's kind of dumb. Uh, oh, this one is good. Oh, this one, hmm, I'll keep it on the side for later. So it, there is a lot coming on, coming in. And I, I'm not sure if you, you remember a couple, not a couple, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I took a break from Twitter and social media in general. Yeah, I remember. Because that constant input of things it's overwhelming after a little while you have constant input of ideas and, and mm -hmm, feedback mm -hmm. and all of that after a little while it's like okay i need a break to actually process all of this because if it keeps coming in i will never be able to actually decide what to do because i will always have stuff to sort and and decide and things like that but yeah that's right that's the process basically Uh -huh. Amazing, really amazing. So you got so much feedback and new ideas that that you didn't keep up with sorting them and and putting them in, into a kind of system. Uh, do you have some some note keeping system, uh, some kind of a Zettelkasten method or something like that? Uh, nope. Uh, I read a lot of articles about second brain. Blah yeah. blah blah. To me, these things, I mean, I'm sure that they solve a lot of problems. However, to me, they get a little bit in the way. Mm -hmm. um, it's something new that you have to learn. It's something new that you have to remember to update every single time, things like that. Um, so I use pen and paper and, yeah. and, and a trailer board. I have a trailer board, which... It's more for the actual software part. So this is the tool. This is the task at hand. This is the task for next week, things like that. But for yeah, the ideas yeah. and all the feedback, it's pen and paper. I find it so much easier and faster to use pen and paper than, than all those myriads of, of tools out there. That's right. Usually a pen is a very special kind of thing because it has some some haptic characteristics. When, when you hold it in your hand, it does something to your brain um, or collaborates with your brain in a friendly way. Yeah. Um, my, my old yoga teacher, who's, who's dead right now, um, no, not, not right now, but already for several years, um, in the ancient times, he said... Uh, um, look at your pen when you're writing uh, the backside, where does it point? And I said, okay, it points upwards. And he said, yes, your pen is your antenna into the universe. Oh, that's nice. And I found it really nice. I, I thought, yes, that, that's something. So, yeah, I really I also use a pen a lot. That's right. 
um, what what else is bugging me um, about your audience? Uh, how did you find your first members? Really, let's say your first five to ten users. What what was the why why did they they join and how did that happen? So five to ten users, okay, um, actual users of the app. Um, let me try and remember. Do you, do you, are we speaking of users or customers? Because to me, there is a, a huge difference. Yeah, let's say, um, yeah, what would you say? Um, let's let's, let's uh, describe both, yes. Uh, yeah. the, the first free users and then the first paying users. Yeah. So the first users just putting the link on my Twitter and be like, hey, it's launched. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. First users, literally, uh, since I had been sharing the process of building it, um, so the day I was like, okay, let's let's put it out. I said, uh, I think the evening before, I'm launching tomorrow, and it was literally a, I'm launching tomorrow. There was no plan. There was no. Okay. Okay. I feel like tomorrow is a good day to launch. <laughs> <laughs> It was not pre-planning with milestones and everything. <laughs> nope. And then the next day I woke up, I still had a few bugs to, to fix and things like that. So I woke up early, fixed those. And then I think at 10, I was like, okay, it's coming in 30 minutes or in one hour. I don't remember. And then after the hour, I was like, it's launch. And I put the link. And it was a crazy day. Um, I think on that day, 200 people signed up. It was oh, amazing! It was, <laughs> it, it was more, 10 times more than than I expected. And on that day, I was actually on my day job. I didn't take the day off because I didn't plan this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Everybody was signing up, having bugs that I never saw when I was just testing it myself and DMs and emails and all of that. Oh, and boy. I was working, so I was in meetings and then I come back, it's like, I don't know, 50 people more and they're asking for <laughs> more. <laughs> that must have been uh, joyful as well as stressful, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> But it was amazing. Uh, so many people uh, jumped in to, to help uh, diagnose the bugs that I couldn't understand uh, because it was, you know, the typical, it works on my computer, it works on my machine. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was working on my machine, not on DS. So they were helping actually diagnosing and, and helping me figure out what was going on. Um, so that was awesome. A lot of feedback on that day. Um, and then it kept growing steadily um, with free users. Um, and then I went to talk a little more to people who have already built SaaS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and they told me, I mean, it's something that I already knew because it's in all the podcasts, all the videos, all the newsletters. If you are a solo founder, try not to have a free plan because it's it's not it's very difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I was already feeling it after a couple of weeks, three weeks. I was feeling that okay, these are a lot of people, and and it's it's getting more and more difficult to manage. Um, 
and I spoke with them, a few more people who have run successful SaaS businesses and they're like, okay, you need to do something about this because unless you keep it free and you go out and try to get, I don't know, $100,000 or pounds to, to be on it full time and have someone help you with customer success, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you are probably not going to be able to do this on your evenings and, and weekends anymore because there are just going to be too many people. Um, and yeah, I then went the step of um, um, killing the free plan and keeping it a free trial instead. Some have even advised against the free trial, but I kept it because, you know, there's always that little, I'm not too sure if this thing is worth people. Money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long uh, is your trial period for the people? Uh, 14 days. 14 days, yeah, the usual yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I find it important to have a free trial because people are, are sometimes so afraid to put in their credit card because there are so many uh, fraudulent sites out there. Yeah. Um, so I can totally understand that the credit card number is an important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So that's the story for the free, the first users. The first customers, on the other hand, um, came from... So... The very first customer is a person I have spoken with personally mm -hmm. from the very beginning, the very first user interviews were with that person. So from the beginning, the person has been seeing the the product grow, right? And and um, so they trusted you a little more than than something someone who they found randomly on the internet. Yeah. So they, they understood quite well already what the product was doing, even uh -huh. though my landing page wasn't great at the time at explaining. But since the person was an input to so many of the decisions that went into the MVP that, you know, they mm -hmm. knew that, okay, this is going to solve their problem because they were part of the, you know, the, the, the process of, of discovering the problem and the potential mm -hmm. solution to mm -hmm. it. Um, after that, I think most of the other people are from Twitter. Uh, a couple of friends uh, who are not from Twitter because I shared there. I, I sent them the link and they signed up and they liked it and they and they subscribed. Oh, yeah. um, but most of the people, the customers, are, are from Twitter. Um, just sharing on Twitter. A few of them I know, a few I don't, which is great, you know, mm -hmm. uh, getting people you have literally never heard of sign up, re register for the uh, yearly plan and use it, you know, no complaint. That's no... great. <laughs> That's really great without knowing them, without knowing what they do and they simply sign up for the yearly plan. That's great. Yeah. And it, it's actually a bit uh, daunting because I usually want to speak to every single person who uses the app uh, to understand exactly how it's helping them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also find it maybe it's just the privacy thing to randomly email someone and be like, hey, I see that you're using my app a lot. I don't know you. Do you want to talk? 
yeah you should try that probably because you maybe you get no response maybe you get, you get a no but maybe you also get some yeses yes yes so that's definitely something that i'm trying to do a little more um getting getting to email them and say hey do you want to have the chat just just to understand how it's helping you if there's something that we can improve things like that um but again it's just to me it's just i'm a bit invading the space maybe they will not feel it that way and those are the little things that you know i think you learn the more you do the SaaS thing yeah yeah which brings me to my next question uh what do you plan to do to um, how do we call that um, to develop your audience further uh, do you think that that there are some activities that you could do um, besides uh, um, user interviews or customer interviews uh, that you say uh, oh yes this will make my audience happier or this will um, grow my audience or this will be more fun or wh whatever you're trying to achieve with your audience yeah so On Twitter, I'm just tweeting almost every day mm -hmm. what I'm doing or something that I've learned or, you know, those kind of things. Um, that's, I wouldn't say that my Twitter, the, the people that follow me on Twitter are necessarily the users of my app. They are more friends and other indie hackers that, you know, we learn together and we try to grow our businesses together. Mm -hmm. um, to get now people that will actually use the app. Um, there are definitely more things that I can do. Um, I should probably launch it on, on Product Hunt and all the other websites as well. I still haven't. Um, I know it's a mistake to launch late, um, but I'm in the middle of building the Teams functionality and I, don't, I want to launch with it. Uh -huh. um, okay, so, yeah. Um, the... Other things that I can do, I tried Reddit. It's not going so well. We know Reddit, it's hard. You get banned, you get... Yeah, you get it's deleted. a really tricky business on, on Reddit. Yeah. Yep. I could try, um, what was the name? Hacker News. However, I am not, I don't feel like the Hacker News bunch is my bunch. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? It, it's really... Oh, let's shit on stuff over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's simply uh, sometimes it's a it's a large collection of teardowns, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but on the other hand, you have to put yourself out there eventually to 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 get anything. So eventually, I'm going on on Hacker News. Um, but I think the most critical thing for me will be to talk to other okay just to give you some context i'm building the teams functionality and i'm starting with targeting um engineering teams in tech mm. startups because well it's easier for me to understand their problems there are already a few engineers who are paying for the app And they say it's going to help them in their teams. I have already spoken with a few teams that tell me, hey, as soon as you're done building this, hit us up. We will onboard, you know. Oh. Um, so now the next step for me for the app will be to go out there and get as many tech leads and CTOs and, uh, you know, 
engineering team leads and all of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to them, get them to see the product, maybe run some small demos and get them to onboard. That's the most critical thing for me within the next two, three weeks, one month, two months. Um, the Hacker News and the, and the Reddits, I think they are more for, from my understanding, I mean, I would say Reddit from my understanding, there it's more the individual user products that are doing well mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. compared to enterprise software quotation marks. I'm not pretending to build huge enterprise software, but it has the potential to be to be put uh, enterprise software. Mm-hmm. That's I find that totally interesting. Collaborating on links with a common goal. So would be interesting to hear from those teams what their common goal might be. You also you already mentioned the analysts. There the yeah. goal is pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, but what what's the goal of those other teams? I think this will be really exciting to find out. Yes. Um... So I'm a, I'm an engineer in engineering teams. Usually what happens is let's say the team wants to move from Postgres to MySQL. Hmm. Yes, that's a random thought. And well, whoever is leading that project for moving from Postgres to MySQL has to, you know, convince the team that Postgres or whatever is better than the other. Mm-hmm. And usually that is through blog posts, tutorials, benchmarks, all of those which are on the web. There yeah. are links on the internet. So usually what happens is they are put into Google Sheets, they are put into Notion, they are put into Slack, they are put it, put into Google Drive. Um, but that is not searchable. That is not you know, you cannot find the information after one month easily. Yes. It's also um, not maintainable, right? If, if several people want to wanna keep their collection in order, uh, it, it's, it doesn't work when you put it into a Google Sheet. Precisely. And you lose the context. I think the context is one of the most important things. So when you put into a Google Sheet, let, let's take, Yeah, let's take the example of a Google Sheet. You put into a Google Sheet, you put the link, you put maybe a description and you put a comment or a tag, which whether it's good or bad, and other people comment, put comments as well. Um, it really quickly becomes a mess. Mm-hmm. And whoever, and then when you finally get to some sort of understanding of what you want to do, you send it to the tech lead for review. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he gets this Google sheet with 400 comments on it. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> <laughs> What should this poor person do? <laughs> that's, that's basically the thing. Or even sometimes it goes the other way around. The product manager and the tech lead, they have this idea. I mean, from, from user conversations, they have this idea of, this feature that they need to build. So they bring together all the resources, all the screenshots, all everything, mm-hmm. and they comment on it. They send it to the CEO, they send it to the CFO, everybody puts comments on it. And then when they're like, okay, we need to build this, they send that document to the engineers with 400 oh, okay. comments on it. Okay, it's the other case. Yeah, it also yeah. works the other way around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the engineer gets it, 
it's like what am i supposed to understand here what is important yeah um so the solution that i'm trying to build is something that is going to allow that important stuff on links specifically to stay there and not necessarily have all the all the additional stuff mm -hmm. that's that's an amazing use case i never thought about that one yes Eval um, collecting links, evaluating them, putting them into some context, assigning maybe some priority or something. Yeah, amazing. And you, you say startup engineering teams would would be your first um, uh, target group for this feature. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, it's an advantage because you're also a startup engineer, so you you understand what people are talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, that's literally the main reason. Um, a few people from marketing teams have told me they will need it. Uh, journalists have told me they will need it. Definitely the analysts, they told me that they will need it. Mm -hmm. um, but I chose to start with startup teams because I already know what they use, right? I don't need to learn right. anything. Um, I know that, okay, they use GitHub or GitLab. They're on Slack. Um, some of them use Notion, some of them use Jira, some of them use, you know, I already have a, a decent understanding of the ecosystem that they use and how they work. Whereas if I decide to start with journalists, well, I know absolutely nothing about how journalists work. Um, I can definitely learn, but it's going to be a longer road, a longer time to market than than working with a community that I understand already pretty well and already have contacts in. That's right. It would take some time to understand what a, how a journalist thinks and how they, how they sort their stuff. Yeah. Yep. Sorting and, and processing. Yeah. So um, when you say, I, I read something on, on Twitter that you want to be ramen profitable before uh, the beginning of 2020. Two, I think. Yes. Um, uh, how do you plan to to spend the next months? Get users. <laughs> Get users. Okay. <laughs> Get yeah. customers. Why not? Get customers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Literally uh, solving problems, getting people to use it. That's that's the idea. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. Yeah, I wish you much success with it. I, I really enjoy hearing about all this. And I think, yeah, this guy is really onto something. Um, and, and I love the way how you, how you reflect and how you go forward with it, um, taking, uh, re really making your hypotheses and, and then trying to validate or invalidate them. It's, it's really good. I like it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for being my guest today. It was an awesome conversation. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, let's do it again, maybe when you're ramen profitable. Indeed, hit me up anytime. Um, I'd be happy to join you again. Thanks for listening to the Audience Explorer podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at GetTheAudience and you can check out the blog at gettheaudience.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out to me on Twitter or send an email to matthias at gettheaudience.com. If you want to support this podcast, 
please leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other founders or creators to find this podcast about developing an audience for their product or service. Thank you very much for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.